0: This is Solvable. I'm Ronald Young Jr.
1: The way cancellation makes it seem like one person is responsible for an entire system of behavior. Mm -hmm. We never get at the system. And it allows us to be off the hook that we are all participating in the same systems.
0: You may have heard the term cancel culture. A few or many, many times before, according to Urban Dictionary, cancel culture is defined as a modern Internet phenomenon where a person is ejected from influence or fame due to questionable actions. It's seen by some as a way to hold public figures with power accountable for their actions, while others see it as the new mob mentality. But people have been canceling other people through the ages. Think back to the 1950s with Senator Joseph McCarthy blacklisting folks he deemed un-American, and even further back to the Salem Witch Trials. These days, comedians, politicians, authors, and actors have been canceled for unacceptable and problematic behavior, such as racist tweets, inappropriate comments, jokes, allegations of sexual misconduct or violence, transphobic and homophobic opinions, and more. While the reasons for canceling vary— the quick and indignant anger and the mob's desire for swift action hasn't changed. But is it right to cancel people?
1: Actually, we don't want to cancel people. We want to cancel ways of thinking.
0: Adrian Marie Brown is the author of We Will Not Cancel Us and Other Dreams of Transformative Justice. The culture of disposability
1: is a solvable problem.
0: Adrian, you first made your thoughts public on cancel culture through a post on your website. And that post was entitled, Unthinkable Thoughts, Call Out Culture in the Age of COVID-19. What made you decide to write that then?
1: Well, I had been away. I was on sabbatical, and um I've been doing like movement related work, organizing for social change, environmental change, economic justice for like 25 years. And when I came back, I was inundated with all these messages from people calling for the cancellation or deplatforming or something else of all these people. And none of them were people that I necessarily knew. Mm -hmm. Um, None of them were people that I was like, oh, I understand how to hold this person accountable. Mm -hmm. They weren't people of massive power. And so I got concerned about that. You know, I was like, well, what's happening inside of movement that we are not engaging in healthy conflict with each other and figuring out what these differences are about and you know, just having the conversations we need to have, what's happening that our main way of engaging with each other when we do disagree or when harm happens is to do a public call-out. I was worried about that on a lot of levels, so I started writing about it. And, and the very idea that I felt nervous to write about it Even that Mm -hmm. felt intriguing to me as someone who, you know, I'm like, we're trying to fight against people who don't want us to live. And um, in that scenario, I should never feel worried about trying to be in any conversation. I'm like, we've got to figure this out because we have to survive. Mm -hmm. I posted the initial blog, which was quite long, and the feedback made me convinced that it would be well served as a book.
0: The book is We Will Not Cancel Us.
1: Who yes. uh, who is us? The us that I was in, I was really thinking of was people who are in social justice movements. Mm-hmm. People who are in spaces where they've said we are abolitionists, we are feminists, we are, you know, post-capitalist, we're trying to figure out a different way of being in relationship to this planet that is respectful, that will sustain us, particularly inside of that pocket, the abolitionist space. You know, those of us who believe that There is a way that we can be on this planet as a human species that doesn't involve prisons and policing, which is in the lineage of slavery, right? Uh There's this body of us who believe that, and we're trying to hold down movement and create movement to be a space where that's the practice, but we're still actually doing these highly punitive measures with each other. And so that was the call. We have to figure out how to do this some other way so that we can break this pattern of disposability.
0: Talk a little bit about uh, how you envision transformative and restorative justice being a way to replace punitive justice.
1: When someone does something wrong, we punish them in any number of ways. Corporal punishment, we take away their freedom, we take away their right to vote, we um, sometimes physically injure them, the death penalty, you know. And it is this binary where people are good or bad, meaning that they are deserving or not deserving of punishment. If that worked, if that (laughs) worldview worked, then especially with the amount that we have, in particular in the U.S., invested in the prison system, we should be crime-free without Mm -hmm. harm because we punish so professionally and so thoroughly. It doesn't work. It doesn't actually stop harm from happening. And if you focus on how would we stop the harm from happening, then these models of restorative justice and transformative justice emerge or can be remembered. A lot of these are ways that people long before capitalism and colonialism took over the way (laughs) the world functioned. Mm -hmm. There have been cultures that had other ways of dealing with harm when it happened, dealing with conflict when it came up. Mm -hmm. And those ways are both old and ones that we need to relearn. And they involve mediation, being able to sit and be held in a conversation that you can't handle one-to-one. Have someone else there to help move it along and find the places where there's an opening when it feels like it's all a wall. There's community circles, community accountability processes where an entire body or community can sit and hold both or all members of a conflict or harm and find out what is the right move forward, what would actually bring some closure and allow healing to begin in the circumstance, being able to truly hear each other, being able to Uh truly listen and the idea that people can change. People are always changing.
0: Everything that you're saying, it makes sense when you talk about in movement, uh, when you're talking about marginalized folks, when you're talking about yeah. folks fighting for justice within the community. But cancel culture is something that it, it's been coming up a lot recently. And there's been a prominent comedian. There's been a prominent rapper. There's yes. been, you know, prominent folks. There's
1: been some prominence. <laughs> yeah, there's yes. been some prominence
0: uh, <laughs> uh, out there. How do we reconcile the members People who are members of marginalized community, but yeah. in some ways are uh, not necessarily fighting on our team. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And when I say our team, I mean the teams of folks that are fighting for justice. The us. Yeah, the us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think one of the things that gets teased out with this is how non-monolithic we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always important for people to understand because then the people that we are organizing amongst and with and for are also non-monolithic. And Mm -hmm. what we have to do is be in the conversations if we care about them, you know? Mm -hmm. So to me, there's always a question of, are we calling for this person's cancellation because they're causing harm to us? Mm-hmm. what's actually happening? you know so I look at an R Kelly and I'm like, mm. the call there for a cancellation or a muting R Kelly is related to staunching the economic flow that supports him doing ongoing visceral harm to young girls. Mm. And because of the resources that he has access to, he can just continue to act. So something else has to stop him, right? Mm -hmm. And right right now, the only move we have to stop someone at that level is actually prison, right? Mm -hmm. It's not cancellation. Because what we see when people get canceled is, in a lot of ways, it feeds them. It's like more and more attention moves towards them. It allows the people who are also staunchly ignorant in the same ways right? Like emotionally ignorant, spiritually ignorant, you know, economically ignorant, like whichever one it is, transphobic, right? It's whichever thing they're sitting in, it allows the people who also believe that to flock towards them and for them to gather together. So that's part of it, you know, to me is I'm just like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work the way we would want it to work. Mm -hmm. And I have seen it work when we're talking about corporations where there's a specific ask that's meetable. You know, when that Chappelle special came out and everybody was like, whoo, you know, having this response, Ashley, Maria Preston is this incredible Black trans organizer. And she was just like, We don't actually want to cancel anyone. We want to have a transformative conversation. We think Mm -hmm. that it's possible to move from here beyond this. We don't want the conversation with him. We want it with Netflix. We want it with the entity, the structure that is upholding the culture that allows for these decisions to happen. So just the like moving from the very specific, you know, the way cancellation makes it seem like one person is responsible for an entire system of behavior. Mm -hmm. We never get at the system, Mm. and it allows us to be off the hook that we are all participating in the same systems, right? So what I'm interested in is something that says we're all actually responsible for these behaviors, all of them. Child sexual abuse happens because many of us look the other way when we need to look more closely, right? Rape, sexual assault, that happens in our communities because we don't listen, to the survivors, because we can't reckon that the person that we love, these men that we love, these people that we love, are also doing these things that we hate, you know? We participate, we uphold, we look away, we're quiet. And so this era that we're living in, Me Too and Black Lives Matter, putting a pressure on, this pressure means, actually, we don't want to cancel people, we want to cancel ways of thinking.
0: I... <laughs> like it makes sense when you say it to me. Like it makes sense. <laughs> and I and I and I, I support yeah. it. I really do. Yeah. I wholeheartedly support it. And I think the hardest part of this is yeah. to look in the media and to listen to someone say, Oh, they're trying to cancel me, they're trying to do this, all that, and and avoid the actual responsibility that yes. you have to engage these conversations. Yes. So, how do we get there? Because yeah. we know, I know that like the most of the fuel behind somebody like Dave Chappelle, most of the fuel behind them comes from a lot of transphobia, a lot of homophobia. Yes. And nobody wants to engage those conversations. How do we get them seated at the table?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things is, and I'll say this, I I was really politically shaped by Grace Lee Boggs um, in Detroit. And one of the mm-hmm. things she taught me was that We must transform ourselves to transform the world. And this kind of blew my mind because I was very much oriented towards like, when we see that someone is acting out of alignment, we have to fix them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have to get them together, right? We have to get them right. And the harder work is we have to get ourselves together. We have to figure out why the person thinks it's okay to behave this way around us, Mm -hmm. right? Like when we witness racism, even we're like, I didn't do the racist thing, but it's like you witnessed the racist thing and something in the way you responded made it okay for that racist thing to continue and to Mm. persist, right? Same with homophobia, same with transphobia, same with all of these patterns of behavior, same with sexual harassment. So many places, we allow it. So a lot of the practices, you know, in some dream world, yay, it would be great to get Chappelle to sit down with trans people and really hear and really take in the way that it hurts. You know, I heard him say, you know, I'm not going to cause... Any more harm, I'll stop telling these jokes until we can laugh together, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so you knew that and you did this whole thing anyway. Mm -hmm. We can't wait for that. If we wait for that, we'll be waiting forever, right? We're waiting for someone who is in a position of privilege and power to, of their own volition, relinquish that. Yeah. Right? It's never going to happen. Like Any move will be to protect that space that they've achieved, Instead, we have to have the conversations amongst ourselves that make it impossible for the people to be up on such pedestals anyway. We have the conversations amongst ourselves that are like how we practice with each other is what allows transphobia to persist or not persist. So when we feel our friends saying, oh, this special is fine. Great. Let me have the conversation with you.
2: Mm, right? Let me have the conversation okay. with you. Right? Yeah, and okay. to be
1: like, I, I'm going to get in the boat with you, and I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm going to say, here's how it felt for me uh, listening to it.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: Okay. We model something different where it's like, I'm not interested in canceling everyone in the world who thought that special was fine. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in reaching into that place where their humanity is disconnected, you know, and they're not able to see trans people inside of that. Yeah, I want to feel like how do I use this as an opportunity to reconnect that that humanity, that little piece right there.
0: And that goes back to what you're saying about being restorative exactly. and bringing them back into uh, exactly because we are community. actually
1: one entity, no matter where in human time and history we are. Like the species, what we mm-hmm. understand about all species is we function together. Mm -hmm. The bees, it's not like the bees are just like, oh, five of us will go extinct. No, it's like, you know, the conditions work for all of us or they don't work for us. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing our species still has not mastered. We still think that somehow we'll do hierarchy and any of us will survive. We have to survive together or we won't make it. And so it's constantly trying to get people to understand, to remember that, which we already knew. Mm -hmm. And then there were wounds and wounds and wounds. If we restore enough, we'll understand we're all together. And I think that's when the aliens will call us and be like, okay, y'all figured it out. You are humans. (laughs) You're humans. Got it. Finally. Cool. (laughs) So you think they're hiding until we we figure that out. We got some adventures for you. (laughs) I love that.
0: (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So there's a quote from your book, and it says, I want to invite us to get excellent at being in conflict, which is a healthy, natural part of being human and biodiverse. And Mm -hmm. I, I like this quote because it does invite for challenging conversations and for us to have tension. My question about this one is, there are people who are going to say this in defense of harmful statements in defense of uh, people, you know, doing things that are enacting harm in the community? And how do we not let them weaponize conflict in a way that's not healthy?
1: I think that's really, I love this question because I feel like if I hadn't seen it in nature, I don't know that I would understand the answer to it. And I feel like it's only by recognizing like humans are nature and nature has some fundamental rules um, amongst them that difference is actually one of the things that creates a healthy ecosystem. The differences in an ecosystem nourish each other, symbiosis emerges, and that's when life really gets popping. Like those Mm -hmm. are the, that's the like, oh, we rainforest? Okay. You know, like it's exciting, (laughs) right? To be there. But if there's something that is toxic to that system, then literally the entire ecosystem organizes itself to protect itself Mm -hmm. and to really keep that toxic substance out. And I think we have to look at it that way. It's like, I, for me, I don't think that a person can be that toxic substance, but I think people's ideas and behaviors can bring that toxicity into community. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where then we have to be able to say, hold on, we don't allow that behavior in the space. Can you let that behavior go? Mm-hmm. We see in in nature all the time things can be restored there is healing that is possible this mm-hmm. is one of the ways that humans used to be in a much more symbiotic wholesome relationship with earth is that we used to for instance when we were gathering wood we would cut a portion from the tree not cut down a tree so mm-hmm. that the tree remained and it gave what it could give and continue growing if we think of it that way it's like okay everything can handle some Portion being taken away what is it for us i think that we get lost in this um i feel like as humans we think our biodiversity is a weakness Mm -hmm. and that if we are in spaces where many of us or many ideas thrive we're gonna we're gonna fight with each other in a way that is so uncomfortable we can't bear it but i'm like we should at least try it (laughs) we should try being uncomfortable The discomfort is usually because there's an old idea or an old way of being that is too small for who Uh your spirit and soul actually want to be. We constantly expand over the course of our lives. Our minds, our comprehension, our ability to handle difference expands more and more. That's the beauty of our species. So that to me is what's inside of Uh It's like... The idea is to have as much biodiversity, as much difference in the community as possible, but not to allow harm to persist in the community, because the harm impacts the entire ecosystem negatively.
2: Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients. Each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com/business/podcast. Chase: Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. Copyright 2024 JP Morgan Chase & Co.
3: Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes, workflows, and delivery of care were already great. But they wondered, how can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility, meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients unconventional awards. That's t-mobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. Adrian, one of the
0: things I really enjoyed in your book was that you talked about uh, when a call-out can be useful. You say call-outs can feel most powerful when they are used with their tactical intention for those with less positional, political, economic, or other power to demand accountability to stop harm or abuse, Um, which I appreciate. And I think you laid that out perfectly with the way that you were talking about um, uh, R. Kelly. How do we make the distinction between call-out cancellation, and consequences. Because I hear mm. all three of them being used interchangeably, especially interchangeably. in media, and especially by people who uh, who are trying to get themselves out of consequences.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. I think we're still in the birthing stages of figuring out what all these things are. And that's why when people are like, it's a whole culture of this, it's a whole culture of that, I'm like, yes, this is in the culture. You know, we are mm. in some ways, cancellation is in the culture, right? And the culture is steeped in, a punitive culture. So it's like cancellation is just the peak of a certain kind of wave that's happening Mm -hmm. in the culture. But Mm -hmm. it's not the only thing that's happening in the culture. And I think what we actually need is an accountability culture or a culture of consequences where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's true that you actually did this thing. We know that it's true. And here's something, here's what a consequence can actually look like. When I think of a call-out, the call-out functions as an isolating tool Mm -hmm. instead of a tool of community. And I think that's where when some people use the term call-in, The Uh idea is like it's actually supposed to be bringing people deeper into community, into a space where they can actually be held versus, you know, something where it's like, we actually don't want this person to have access to community. I think a consequence, though, to me, a consequence is when it's like, oh, I can draw a direct line. Like, I really can see this this consequence makes sense based on what happened, you know, what this person did. And I think a lot of times what we're missing is There's no veracity around what actually happened. We don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's no clarity on, like, what is the consequence? Is it taking one year out of the spotlight? Mm -hmm. You know, is it taking a year off of Instagram or whatever? Because that's about, you know, what I've been noticing is the pattern is people kind of dip out for a year, and then you see them come back like, everything's great, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We don't talk about that other thing.
1: Yeah, we don't, you know? And a lot of... And they just move on. So I'm like, we need... I'm always interested in like what actually works. If that strategy worked, you know, if if it was like, dang, we called these people out and rape just stopped. Like, Mm. it's not happening anymore. This really worked. You know, Miriam Kaba is someone that I always point people towards. She is an incredible teacher around abolition, particularly Mm -hmm. prison abolition. And she really talks about that long, that long pattern of harm doing continues in spite of this system of punitive justice, you know, in spite of all those efforts. She's like, we should just be focused on how we end the harm. That's the only measure. It's yeah. Like, Did the harm end or did it not end? And I think that helps in a lot of these conversations because people get into some moral high ground space and I'm like, it's not working, <laughs> you know, like yeah. fundamentally it's not working. So it, it can't be the the right way
0: talk about this with you for hours i really appreciate you writing this book adrian marie brown thank you so much for being with us today
1: wow thank you for having me this was a a great conversation
0: adrian marie brown is the author of we will not cancel us and other dreams of transformative justice she's the co-host of the podcasts how to survive the end of the world octavia's parables and emergent strategy Listeners, if you want to learn more about the solutions we talked about today, I highly recommend Adrienne's book, We Will Not Cancel Us. And you could find links to her other books, as well as articles on conflict resolution, restorative justice practices, truth and reconciliation, nonviolent communication, and to more information about the leaders and mentors Brown mentioned in this conversation. They're all in our show notes. Solvable is produced by Jocelyn Frank. Research by David Ja, Booking by Lisa Dunn. Editing help from Kishel Williams. Very special thanks to Tanzina Vega for pointing me to Adrian Marie Brown's work. Our managing producer is Sasha Mathias, and our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. I'm Ronald Young Jr. Thanks for listening.